Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for, and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I, of course, cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners, and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions, because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. We're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed. Uh, we are talking about Roth IRAs, My one of my favorite topics. I know I touch on them here and there, but I wanted to dedicate a whole show to them. It's fairly timely, um, given it's tax season, taxes being extended this year. People have a little bit more time to contribute to Roth IRAs for prior tax year, if you haven't done so already. Of course, you can contribute for current tax year as well. Um, but you have up until tax filing time to make a retroactive contribution if you are eligible. We already went over income eligibility limits. Not everyone um, is eligible from an income standpoint to contribute to a Roth IRA. So right before the break, we were sort of setting the stage for a little bit of analysis regarding a situation where it may or may not make sense to make a Roth contribution. Um, And should I stop there? Do we have a caller? We have a caller. Oh, okay. Uh, We have Linda who is on the road. Good morning, Linda. How are you? What can we do for you? Good morning. Fine, thank you. And yourself? Good, thank Good. you. What's going on? What can we do for you? Well, um, I, I'm wondering. I'm, I'm, I, I know very, very little, but I'm divorced. And my former spouse is five years younger than myself. He's a forensic CPA, a vanguard. So regarding Social Security, um, how would that play out for me? Um, I'm obviously 62 too, and I'm not sure when I would be able to collect. I, I, I'm just really not sure of my position, and we were married 19 years. 
Okay, so you said I, it's kind. Of, I'm I'm only catching most of this, Linda. But it's you said you're 62 now. Is that correct? I'll be 62. Okay. Um, and you're. And is this regard? Is this with, with COVID? You can't get through to any of the offices and all that That's sort of thing. Right now. So. So I thought, well, I'll seize the moment and see if I can get information from you folks. Sure. Um, yeah, we can certainly give you some some generic information. Um, and I know, so we actually just did a social security seminar and the, um, you know, the professional that we had on there, he, you know, he was recommending basically, you know, going online. Well, that if, if you're, if you're ready to, um, you know, sign up, you know, to go online, uh, the other, if you actually want to talk to someone, you have to call, um, First, you have to call, you know, the Social Security Administration just right. to... Just, well, I'm just trying to figure out my options. Yeah, sure, I, sure. I, I mean, I'm really at, at, at square one. I just want to understand, you know, what I can and cannot do. Sure. So, um, so I mean, yeah, so typically 62 is the earliest uh, that you can start collecting Social Security. Now, do you, have, you, have you worked yourself? Um, I have, but... During the course of the divorce, it was really weird what they did. I mean, everything they did was weird. But my husband kept launching himself into... He actually got himself hired at Price Waterhouse or KPMG, whichever he was at at that point. And then went on board with um, Vanguard. And prior to going on board with Vanguard, he closed... He forged two letters to Vanguard and closed out my full accounts and took the money. And, and actually, that, that issue is still pending. It, it's open without prejudice. But then he went with Vanguard. He started at over 100000 But during the course of the divorce, he kept launching himself into internal job searches and reducing, 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 reducing his salary. And somehow, I don't know how he did this, but he always did our taxes. So he somehow my income and it went through the divorce as me making a certain amount of money which I've never made that much money <laughs> before mm. he reduced his salary well over $60,000 during the court they drug the divorce out oh my god over five years so it, you know it looked I guess for appearances so um, how, I'm not sure I'm not smart enough to figure out what, what, the, what the intent was there but you know, someone of your caliber to understand what, what the play was. Okay, so is the is the question regarding your options for collecting Social Security? Is that I, I'm I'm just I'm having trouble hearing. I think the connection isn't great. So um, okay, but so he asked are, me, did I ever earn income? Yeah. And I okay. did. But, sure. But my okay. husband always did the taxes, and it reflects during the course of the divorce. Uh, I made a lot more money than I ever made. Okay. So okay. Come, come now to so, the point where I would want to you know or, or look into what my options yeah. are with Social Security, I don't know how that plays out for me. Okay, so first thing you're gonna wanna do is go to socialsecurity.gov. You're gonna wanna log in to check your own benefit through Social Security. So that's based on your work and earnings, whatever it was, your actual work and earnings. And I'm not sure what happened there with your husband reallocating some income, but but that that would potentially help your, your Social Security benefit. So the first thing you're gonna wanna do is check your own benefit. Go to socialsecurity.gov. You should be able to create a login for yourself and look at their projections regarding what you're eligible for starting at age 62 at the earliest. They'll give you um, 62, they'll give you a full retirement 
retirement age benefit and they'll give you age right. seven. But regarding the fact that yep. I'm five years yep. older than my husband, would I? my question was, when can I um, go into his? So you can, um, so you're also based, you're also eligible for half of his or yours, whichever is higher. So at your full retirement age, you would be eligible for half of his full retirement age benefit if that is more than your own benefit. You can still collect as young as 72, I'm sorry, as young as 62, even though you're older than him, but it's a reduction of half of his benefit. So, so the way, from what I understand, the way you do it is- Would they calculate that at his current income or would they go retro? They're uh, both. So they, social security is calculated based on your highest, the highest 35 years of income. So if he's 56, they're going to show him or calculate for him an age 67 or a full retirement age benefit based on his prior earnings and his current earnings projected to age 67. That's how they calculate the full retirement age benefit. If he doesn't end up working at all to 67, his benefit will be lower than the projection. Um, So, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure how they adjust that. Um, That's a good question. That one that you will want to ask social security if you, when you get in touch with them, but basically you're eligible at your age 67, you're eligible for half of his age 67 benefit. But if you collect at 62, you're taking about like a 32% reduction of right. that. And half. I didn't do that, but as I said, I yeah. just want to understand, you know, the, the, the whole picture. Yeah. 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 yeah so so. I, I guess, you know, Linda, I would say, you know, um, you know, his, the age difference doesn't really have any impact on you. Uh, the fact that he's younger, that doesn't really matter. Um, and also, you know, he, he doesn't have to collect in order for you to collect off of him. So, you know, you guys can be, because you're divorced, but you were married for at least 10 years, uh, you know, you still have those spousal benefits, assuming you don't remarry. Um, but, um, it doesn't matter. It really, you're, you're two separate entities at this point from a from a collection mm-hmm. standpoint, and it, it the age difference doesn't matter. Okay. Um, yeah. I, and I, so, in other words, they would just um, use a fictitious number going forward because he's not at that age of sixty-seven. So they would just ca- calculate potentially what he would be earning, and then yes. Do I understand that correctly? Yeah, effectively, yeah. They're gonna they're gonna look at what his current you know uh, history is, and they're going to at this point they're assuming that you know the next you know for the future that he's going to continue to earn roughly the same amount that he's currently earning, and that's how they do the calculations or the estimates, really. Okay, and, and the fact too also that he has a, a separate side CPA practice would that be calculated as well? If I mean any income that's that he's reporting or paying taxes on, that's it's it, that's social. Security eligible, it's going to be added into his, you know, into his calculation. Okay. Okay. Um, Linda, just Linda, just one more thing. Can I just one more thing before you hang up? You, if you're collecting Social Security before your full retirement age, you need to bear in mind that if you make more than a certain amount of money, there is an offset for the Social Security benefit you're going to receive. So, what what is it like eighteen thousand dollars? 
$18,000 is, if you make more than like $18,000 a year, Kirk can double check the exact number, then, then you're going to receive a reduction in your social security benefit if you collect before your full retirement age. So just bear in mind that you might I'm not, not quite want to collect sure early. I understood all that, but um, I'm going to try to, to digest what you said. <laughs> Okay. 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 Listen, thank you for your time. You're welcome. You're welcome, Linda. Have a good one. Thank Um, you. Bye bye. But yeah, the the number is eighteen thousand nine sixty. Okay, Linda, if you're still listening, if you still have the radio on, I. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't want to. Um, we we had the Social Security. Um, consultant on our radio show about a few weeks ago and we always record those shows and put them on our podcast so if you want to listen to that information I actually was listening to the show and I couldn't I couldn't um, get the number down, so I, I wanted to call in. I wanted to okay. So, so Linda, if you actually go, Linda, uh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I have the phone number on my screen. If you can take it down or something, or call me back later. Sure. Okay. It's. I'll, I'll call you back later. Um, but I was listening to that show and I wanted to call in, but I I just um, couldn't maneuver the phone and everything. I was driving, so. All right. Well, if anyone needs it right in. now, it's seven seven four five seven one three two five six and it's Zarnowski Consulting C Z A R N O W S K I twelve Brewster Road in Norfolk, Massachusetts. Okay. <laughs> but as as I said, I'm I'm actually pulled over. I don't have a pen. So I'll call you back later and, and I'll, I'll retrieve that information. Okay. All right. And again good, um, good luck really to you Linda. Take care. Time. All right. Take care. Bye. Um, I I just wanted to give a little plug for our podcast as well. So for someone like Linda who missed some, perhaps missed some information and wants to re-listen to that audio. um, So for example, that social security show that we had was um, early in April and we record those shows and put them on our podcast. You can search your podcast app for McNamara on money. And if you scroll back a few shows um, early April, we have, there's two podcasts on there pertaining to social security. What we do is we take the two hour um, radio show and we break it into two podcasts. So all that information is there for your listening pleasure. If you miss any of it or want to re-listen. So that's um, search your podcast app for McNamara on money so for that social security show and all of our um all of our live shows as well i believe um, and i believe we advertise that we have an abundance of uh of content yeah we, we do actually yeah. <laughs> we've been doing that for a really long time and i think they just stay there like i mean they just host on our podcast forever. Uh, host our podcast they just like stay there forever we do have a lot yeah all right so roth um, versus I, uh traditional yeah oh that's right yeah we totally like okay, okay, 180 um, oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, so we were talking about analyzing a situation where someone close to retirement is thinking about, does it make sense to um, fund a Roth IRA? Let's maybe talk about someone who hasn't ever funded a Roth, like doesn't have any Roth money in their name, because that's the that's a situation where that five-year clock has to start. If someone you know has had a Roth IRA for five or 10 years, that's a different story. They can fund it. Um, breaking even on the tax deduction is a different discussion, but at least they, someone that already has, you know, has had the account open for five years or more wouldn't have to restart the five-year clock in terms of eligibility to take money out, take the earnings out tax-free. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all right. So remind us what we have for variables in this um, 
hypothetical situation. Yeah. yeah, so the scenario we set up, so uh, so it's we're talking about a single person, uh, mm-hmm. currently age 60, uh, retiring at age 65, adjusted gross income, $100,000, uh, annual contribution is six thousand dollars. So basically, they're doing six thousand dollars a year for five years for a total. Well, make it make it seven because the contribution limit is seven. Just for someone over just, just spending this person's money. All right, fine. Come on. Come on. Um, it's only a thousand bucks. Annual contribution. All right, so somebody sixty. Actually, you know what? It's giving me a funny thing, so I'm just, I'm going to make it back to six thousand. Oh, it's, it's not it, letting you do it. It's okay. not letting me do it. So, six thousand dollars a year for five years, right? So thirty thousand dollars total. All right. Now, so then the assumptions. So some other assumptions are that the expected rate of return is five percent. I'm just going to use okay. that because that's what we we're using earlier. Okay. Um, current tax rate at least on, on, you know, the, the, the top end is 24%. That's what I figure based on a single person making a hundred thousand dollars. Okay. And the retirement tax rate. So the, uh, the program, the default is 15%. Um, you know, that's a guess, right? Um, What is it? Retirement tax rate. That's good. Leave that actually. I, you know, before the show and I can go over this a little bit, I pulled up the comparison of prior tax brackets to current tax brackets. So I touched on this a little bit earlier. The car, so Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was what, end of 2017? I think it was like effective the 2018 tax year maybe, is that right? Um, and basically we, you know, our prior tax brackets were 10, 15, 25, 28, um, 10, 15, 25, 28, 33, 35, 39.6. <laughs> and now they're 12, 22, 24, 32, 35, 37. Biden is proposing changing 37 to 39.6. So tax brackets are set to revert back mm. to the 10, 15, 25, 28. So those brackets, effective tax year 2026. So ta- so it's kind of hard planning right now because we're like, well, we think tax brackets are going to change in about five years. We're not 100% sure. Um, there's, but I mean, someone that, so a single person making $100,000 currently in, hold on, taxable income currently like in the 20, right, in the 24% tax bracket might actually, if they were still making $100,000, would be in the 28% tax bracket, but we could model a drop in tax bracket, you know, because they're retired. But I would use the 25 because a single person is only in the 15% tax bracket. It was like for income under thirty-five dollars or $40,000. It wasn't a whole lot. So I think the 25 bracket might be a better model. For the current, um, for the current or the retirement? No, retirement. Well, but in retirement, I mean, aren't we assuming their income is going to go down? Yeah, but it would have to go down quite substantially. Like, I mean, the old twenty, the old fifteen percent tax bracket for a single um, was like they had to make. I think taxable income had to be less than like forty thousand dollars. All right. So you want to say so? Current tax rate is twenty four percent. Retirement tax rate, 25%. I mean, I guess we could model it both ways, but clearly it's going to look better to do the Roth then. But I get, all right, hold on. Let me figure out what that number was. Yeah, you because you weren't going to like the answer the other way. 
Well, I was trying to do it based on like reality. <laughs> no, I know. No, I'm just I'm just telling you, you, you weren't gonna like the answer. <laughs> um well I was gonna yeah. I mean well, well clearly if someone's gonna drop, you know, in retirement if they're in a tax bracket that's like ten percent lower, of course it's gonna make sense to do the deductible contribution now. Well, yeah, and, and for a lot yeah. of a lot of people that's typically the way it works, right? I mean most people's income goes down. Um an indivi- yeah. you know, an individual obviously is different than a joint, you know, they're different tax brackets. I mean there's yeah, there's lots of variables here and that's that's why it's yeah. kind of it's it's always a one off, you know, individual circumstance. So yeah, so the old fifteen percent tax bracket for a single person was taxable income under about $40,000. So it was fairly low income for a single person. We can certainly model that. I mean, if they have a reasonable social, you know, social security is only partially taxable, modest draw from a retirement account, maybe it's all draw from Roth monies, then sure, let's do it. Do it at the 15 and the 25. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's just a two, uh, Two keystrokes here. It's not a big deal. To, okay. Yeah. Um, so, so if they're if they drop if they're in the twenty four percent tax bracket now and they drop to the fifteen percent tax bracket in retirement, then then it says it says a traditional IRA may be worth twenty eight hundred dollars more. Okay. Than a Roth over the over the life of the right. Okay. Basically, and basically, the 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 calculation is saying, you know, what is the Roth worth? So, so just you know, it, the the Roth would be worth about thirty five thousand um, dollars. Yeah. Uh, you know, after taxes and everything, versus the traditional IRA plus tax savings would be about thirty seven thousand six hundred. Okay. So that's you know that's what they're basing so that on. So if so, I mean, and that does make sense if you're if you're going to drop a tax bracket or two, and if there's a substantial difference there, a delta in your tax bracket, then it's going to make sense to make deductible contributions. But you know, another you know another thing to note is that this calculator is only looking at that five year period of time. You know, if we were to project yeah. project the Roth out, the Roth would certainly grow, right? And be bigger and more, you know, the, the tax incentive gets bigger the longer the time frame goes. Yeah, you so, can't say the Roth would certainly grow. We have to, well, we have to <laughs> where's your compliance disclosure? Thank you. Well, you, you, just, you just made it, thank you. Essentially grow, right? So, and then, yeah. okay, so we have a minute or two, two minutes. Uh, so if we were to do the 25% bracket in retirement, so basically, yeah. basically, you know, virtually the same, right? You're in the same tax bracket yeah. when you're working versus when you retired. Yeah. In this in this calculation, it says that the Roth may be worth about six hundred dollars more than the oh, okay. than the traditional. <laughs> so it's wash, yeah. yeah, it's you know roughly a wash. But again, yeah. that's just only based that's only based on this particular five year period of time. Yeah. It doesn't look at the entire you know retirement spectrum. I found an interesting um, chart when I was thinking about tax brackets changing and reverting back to the old 10, 15, 25, et cetera, brackets, I found an interesting chart that compares for, for a variety of taxable incomes, it compares um, 
tax bracket now versus the prior tax bracket set to be the future tax bracket. That's a little confusing. Um, and I found it on um, kitsies.com, which is just a website that, you know, uh, Michael Kitsies is a blogger in the financial industry, really smart guy and has good information. We subscribe to his um, his blog and his information. But he also he has really good um, charts and imagery. And he has a really good one. Uh, the title of the article is, I actually don't know if you have to subscribe to um, to get the article, but the title of the article was Individual Tax Planning Under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. This was from a few years ago, but the chart is really interesting. Like, so for example, you know, a married couple filing jointly with $200,000 of taxable income is right now in the 24% tax bracket but they're set to be in the 28% tax bracket when these tax brackets sunset in five years unless there's further tax. And I could go on and on and that would be really fun actually. I mean, it's hard because the deductions are different. Now we have a big standard. The old tax code had a small standard, but people could itemize, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all right, we gotta wrap it up. You're listening to McNamara Money. We're taking a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed and joined this morning by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed. And we are talking Roth IRAs in all their beauty today. Unfortunately, not everyone is eligible. And it doesn't always make sense to get money in Roths, as we were just um, talking about before the break. Not all situations are created equal. But um, I think they're very um, widely appropriate. And I think it's great, especially for young people to get money in Roth IRAs. IRAs. Um, time is your friend in the world of investing and in the world of Roth IRAs in particular, um, given the earnings come out to you under current tax code anyway, completely tax-free. Um, so how did 90 minutes go by, oh, by the way? It's just, I guess it's just time flies when you're having fun. Oh my goodness, yeah. So, all right. Um, I, I want There's a few things I want to make sure we touch on. Um, I guess I wanted to... Um, looking at my outline here, I, I guess I wanted to talk about maybe like some unique strategies and things to think about um, and ways that Roths can be useful beyond just whether or not you can and should make a contribution. Um, so one thing that I um, think makes a lot of sense is think of a situation where um, if someone is eligible for a Roth contribution, from an income perspective, but maybe they don't have the cash flow to make that contribution because, you know, for whatever reason, you know, life costs money and they're already putting money in their 401k and they have, you know, kids and they're saving for college, et cetera. Um, for whatever reason, um, if it, if it, if there's not the cash flow there to make the contribution, I look, you know, there, there might be opportunities to reallocate or to move the money from another place um, and put it into a more tax efficient vehicle. Again, if the money is earmarked for retirement, of course, you're not reallocating monies that are intended for the short term or for other reasons, uh, other, other financial goals, um, 
that that's not retirement. So think of a situation um, where someone maybe inherited some money um, or someone, you know, just just has a chunk of money that could be invested um, that's in a non-retirement account. We would call that a non-qualified account. So people might have, um, you know, it's just, it's common when people inherit money and, you know, large chunks of money and, and they're kind of like, what do I do with this? And you can't put all that money in Roth IRAs if you're talking about, a, excuse me, retirement accounts, if you're talking about a substantial amount. So not uncommon for people to have an investment account that's not a retirement specific account. It's just called a non-qualified. It's titled in your name or maybe joint with a spouse. Um, That type of account, again, if the monies are earmarked for the long term, like retirement years, like if they're earmarked for, I don't really need this money anytime soon. Yeah, let's earmark that for retirement. That's an opportunity, potentially tax dependent, of course, um, and income eligible dependent. But I think that's something to at least examine in terms of reallocating or sliding those dollars over to a Roth because the Roth is a more tax efficient retirement vehicle than non-qualified accounts are. Did I explain that okay? Uh, um, yes, I, I. Yeah, so like, you know, for example, you know, you might have um, a couple hundred thousand dollars in an investment account, maybe you inherited that or something, or you sold a property and, and that money um, is invested and you're earmarking it for the long term. And let's let's assume that you are eligible to make Roth contributions from an income standpoint, but, you know, maybe you don't want to part with your cash in the bank or, you know, life costs you a lot and your cash flow, you know, you don't have the extra room in your cash flow, you know, for that 500 bucks a month contribution. Uh, contribution, but you could take some of those dollars from that investment account and slide it over. We call that a journal. It's just like a transfer. You could slide it over to the Roth. Again, if it's earmarked for retirement, that might make sense. Um, and, And put that money in it in an account where the earnings are going to be, the earnings not guaranteed, are going to be tax free to you in the future, which is not the case in a non- retirement account, a non-qualified account. In fact, under the Biden tax proposal, higher income earners will have even worse tax tax consequences with gains inside of a non-qualified account. That won't affect everybody, but higher income earners will potentially have their capital gains um, taxed at a much higher rate than current. Um, but again, that, that that won't affect the masses. That will affect um, a few people and, and, and people with a pretty high uh, earned income. But um, for those higher income earners that have um, non-qualified accounts, they're unfortunately not going to be eligible to move the, the money over to a Roth IRA because they, they won't qualify from an income standpoint. So not a lot of planning opportunities there for higher income earners, um, but great planning opportunities there for people who are Roth IRA eligible. I would just say the one caveat is you have to pay attention to, you know, we were doing some calculations before from a tax perspective, does it make sense to fund the Roth? That plays in here as well, where in a non-qualified account or what we call a taxable account or an individual account, 
Um, if there are already investment gains on those monies, and and let's say you need to sell six thousand dollars worth of something to put the six thousand in the Roth, we have to bear in mind. Well, what are my tax consequences to do that? Um, if they're relatively small, maybe that still makes sense. If you have a huge, if you have a stock position, for example, with a with a large capital gain um, to sell and move the money to the Roth, well, then maybe that doesn't make sense. But you know, that's an individual assessment. But I just think that's an opportunity um, for people to get money into Roths um, that maybe don't have the cash flow to do so, but maybe have other assets to fund them with. Yeah. And, you know, can't say it enough, but, you know, before you do it before you put money into a Roth, you know, you really, you need to check that out with your tax uh, preparer because it is like, you know, like we said earlier, it is based on kind of a, you know, a complicated um, calculation as far as your modified adjusted gross income. And, you know, you have to be under a certain number in order to qualify. Um, Because if you, you know, if you, if you don't qualify and you put the money in uh, and it sits there for too long, you get, you know, you get penalized. Um, And I I believe it's 6% uh, per year uh, on, on the money that you, you know, quote unquote over contributed. Uh, And so you need, you really need to be aware of, you know, your eligibility and, um, you know, well, and if, and if you, if you did do it, uh, maybe in a prior year and, and then find out that you shouldn't, uh, the sooner you get it out, the better, um, from, from a tax uh, penalty point of view. Um, I wanted to talk before the show's over today about, um, you know, maybe some opportunities to get money into Roth IRAs for the extended family. Um, and this might make some sense for people that, aren't eligible themselves. It it could make sense for a lot of people, but in particular, higher income earners that maybe aren't eligible to put money into Roth IRAs themselves, but thinking outside of the box a little bit in terms of the extended family unit, um, perhaps there are opportunities to fund Roth IRAs for um, children, again, that have earned income or even um, adult grandchildren or or could be teenage grandchildren, I guess, um, that have earned income Um, as a way to reallocate money tax efficiently um, again, you know, this would fall under the heading of if, if there's excess money and, you know, of course, if you can afford to do that and, and, and gift money to other people and without, oh, sorry, the whole family is joining me here on the, on the radio show. The, the um, background is so weird. Cause it's like, yeah, you have like, you have like apparitions <laughs> floating around. There's actually like, there's actually children here in the background. There's that, like, yeah, there's a dog, see. there's like a floating dog and all yeah. sorts of weird stuff. You can probably hear the children in the background and I, I'm not going to them to be patient for another 15 to 20 minutes while we finish up the show um and i'll be upstairs as soon as i can okay can you guys yep really yep one okay um it's i don't think a, a show goes by upstairs okay I don't think a show goes by for us, Kirk, where there's not little busy bees in the background mm-hmm. asking at some point, "Can I watch a show?" Yeah. Oh, and they know. They know. They know when to pick they their moments. Know. Yeah. Can I? Can I have candy slash watch TV slash play video games? And you're like, "Yeah, whatever, just do it." They yeah. know when I'm desperate enough to yeah. be like, "Yeah, I don't care, whatever you want." But actually, I will say those little beauties um, got themselves all dressed, and I think at least one of them brushed their teeth. Um, so we made a little bit of progress this morning. But apologies for that background noise. One of them was playing with the heater. <laughs> it was like beep, beep, beep. <laughs> I, 
actually, yeah, I couldn't really hear much. I could just, I could just see floating arms and legs. Yeah, that was one of them delivered a small dog to my lap. Um, yeah, it's this is real world, <laughs> real world stuff here. Um, all right, so yeah, so I, so again, thinking outside the box a little bit, you know, there might be opportunities where, um, you know, families want, you know. Just, want to start their kids off right you know and 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 get something cooking for their for their kids when they're relatively young again if you're funding Roths um, a Roth IRA for a younger person that person needs to have earned income in order to make the Roth contribution so in other words if they're just like if they're babysitting and not declaring that income even though they have income if they're not declaring it as taxable income they are not eligible to, to have money put in a Roth in their name. Um, but if they have a part-time job where wages are being declared, um, then they can you can fund a Roth in their name up to the amount of earned income they have with a limit of $6,000 for someone under age 50. So great opportunity there for parents to, um, you know, maybe tuck some money aside in a Roth in their kid's name. You can, of course, link your own bank account to your kid's um, Roth IRA. The, the financial institutions generally don't don't care where the money's coming from um of course they you know you have to authorize and all that and they have to double check that and yeah i was just looking because I, I wasn't sure about how old you had to be to like have a real job and i guess it's 14 and in, in massachusetts yeah, yeah. I, I just wasn't sure about that yeah yeah and so like i was saying earlier like if you have a you know even a 14 or 15 or a 16 year old you can open a roth ira for them you would be named as the um, custodian, meaning you make the financial decisions, but the Roth would be in their social security number and would be their little start for their retirement account that they would have hopefully for like 60 years or, or more. So um, great way to start your kids off. Um, if you have a little bit of extra cash flow and are inclined to do that, you have to remember that the money will you will be removed as financial custodian when they're, you know, generally 18 or 21, depends on the state, but I think it's 21 in mass, right? Mm, they're yes, yeah. have to be removed as a financial custodian. So the money becomes theirs. And, and you know, you, of course you'd want to, you know, trust that they would do good things with it and maybe continue adding to that. Um, but, but again, good opportunity there to, you, it, it doesn't even have to be your kid's money that funds the Roth IRA. You could use your own money to fund your kids Roth or your grandkids Roth it it is a it is a gift to that person technically and there are um, gift limits for gift tax purposes but the limit of a Roth IRA falls well below the annual gift limit of $15,000 and so young people are limited to just $6,000 Roth contribution so that in and of itself you don't need to worry about any gift tax consequences because the limits are below the annual gifting limit so um, so that's great I have you know some clients that take advantage of that even if it's you know 50 or 100 bucks a month or something just to get them started and again get something going i mean we've done we've had whole two hour shows um regarding the benefits of building your retirement assets early and getting you know i mean if, you know 50, 50 bucks a month you know we'll, we'll take some we'll take some time for that to get cooking but but the point is the well, earlier you can start the better and and the more money you can have in retirement at a young age, the much better you are off financially in terms of the pressures off later and, and the ability for your money to work for you because it's a larger amount and work for you in the markets. Um, so that's great stuff there. And, and, and a, in my opinion, a great gift that you can give a child or a grandchild. I think, um, and, and just, you know, uh, you know, Roth or whatever. I mean, yes, I know we're talking about Roth, but you know, 
as far as like a kid, and as you said, even if it's a relatively small dollar amount, you know, $50 a month or whatever it is, I mean, to me, that's really the best way you can really kind of show you know, a young person, you know, the, you know, the effects of investing and, and saving, right? Because you can, with, with real actual dollars in an account, we can say, hey, here's what we put in, but here's what it's worth. And here's what it's doing. And that's, I mean, to me, that's the best, you know, it's, it's more of a hands-on experience to show somebody how it actually works versus just an academic approach, you know, with just some, you know, calculators and things. If it's real live money, you know, in, in, in an account with their name on it, I think that's a pretty cool way to, you know, teach somebody about that. I think that's awesome. Yeah. And I've actually had people say that to me, like, I'm doing this for my kids. I want to invest this money. And, you know, 10 years from now, I want to see what it's worth. And I want to teach my adult kids a lesson on that. And that, that's great. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Some people are like, um, I want to start a Roth IRA for my daughter, but I don't want her to know that I did that. And like, they have good intentions. It's kind of like, I don't want them to think that I don't think they're, you know, they can take care of themselves financially, but I want to do this for them. Right. And, um, unfortunately, you know, you, you do the, the, the young person whose name the Roth money is going into does need to be technically the owner uh, I'm sorry, you can be the financial custodian, but I'm talking about like, if you have like a 22 year old, you know, young professional just starting out and you want to help them out. Um, unfortunately they would need, well, fortunately, and unfortunately they would need to know that the account was open. I mean, they, you would need their, of course you'd have their social probably, but um, they, the financial statements would, you know, be going to their name and address. It would be in their name, but it, it's just funny. I've had people say that to me before. They're like, I don't want to offend them by like thinking they can't do this on their own, but I really want to do this for them. And, you know, of course those are great intentions, but the, the person does need to actually be the owner and would be aware that the account was open for them. And um, I actually think there are some great planning opportunities here for the extended family unit in terms of contributing to Roths for kids and grandkids. Um, I'm talking for wealthier families that are going to likely be impacted by Biden's proposed tax changes here. In other words, it, 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 it might not be as tax efficient in the future to have um, non-retirement assets. He's talking about increasing capital gains taxes um, for wealthier individuals quite substantially. By the way, capital gains taxes right now are quite a bit less than income taxes for everyone. Um, but even higher income earners pay just 23.8%, like at the highest rate for capital gains. And he's talking about bumping that to 39.6. So some pretty big jumps there in terms of capital gains um, on non-retirement accounts. And he's also talking about um, Biden, Biden, Biden is talking about um, uh, not eliminating, but but reducing um, the step up in cost basis for uh, when when someone dies and people inherit non-retirement monies. I think he's talking about like having a one million dollar exemption, but like larger, you know, non-retirement accounts with substantial investment growth right now are very tax efficient to pass to the next generation, and that might be limited in the, in the future if this tax legislation goes through. So that affects some, you know, well people, you know, higher income earners with, with lots of assets invested. Um, but for those families there, there might be some opportunities to, over time, again, reallocate some of those non-retirement dollars 
to Roth IRAs for people in of generations below, again, bearing in mind, of course, um, the gift taxes to do so. But I think there might be opportunities there. And that's like a slow over time reallocation because the Roth limits are fairly low compared to the size of dollars we're talking about that would have more than a million dollar, you know, uh, capital gain, right? But, um, but still, I think some opportunities there and things worth discussing with um, the financial and tax professional, but. So we've got about 10 minutes left. I didn't know if you wanted to maybe touch on like conversions. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what else you had on your list there. Um, that's, that's close to it. Just a couple other little tidbits, but. Okay. Well, um, I, yeah, go ahead. Whatever you like. I just thought that was um, something we hadn't talked about. So yeah. a conversion is basically you can take you can take traditional IRA monies and convert them or, you know, basically move them from the traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, uh, you know, so if you do that in, you know, say calendar year 2021, you know, that whatever dollars, those will be considered taxable as income. So if you take, you know, $20,000 out of an IRA and move it to a Roth, you will pay, well, that would be included in your taxable income, you know, for the year, whether or not you pay taxes on it depends on your, your tax situation, your tax bracket, uh, or what, at what rate you will pay, uh, again, depending on your personal situation. But, you know, the, you know, the interesting thing about this is that anybody can do it. There are no income limits on, on a Roth Conversion. So, regardless of how much you know money you you earn, uh, you have this option available to you. Um, again, all the same questions about whether or not it makes sense. You know, it is depends on your personal situation. You know, your tax bracket, your age, um, all, all those things. Um, but it is something that is available and. You know, so I guess, you know, one, you know, one circumstance where it might make sense is, you know, either you're working or not, or, you know, and let's say maybe for, or maybe you, maybe you lose a job or, or something. But if you have, if something happens where you happen to be in a much lower tax bracket than usual, uh, this is, you know, you might consider doing something like this during that particular year. If you can move some money out of an IRA, you know, think about this, like, you know, say you're in a higher tax bracket, you know, 25, 30%, and you put the money into the IRA. IRA, and now you have an opportunity to get it out at a lower tax bracket and put it into a Roth, which is going to, you know, continue to be tax deferred. And then, you know, additional growth will be tax free. Um, you know, something, something to maybe think about, but again, you know, you, you know, you have to be in a circumstance where you don't, you know, you don't need the money and you can afford the, you know, to pay the taxes, uh, and all those things, but it is, it is something that's available. Yeah. And that's the part that I have a hard time getting past on, on Roth conversions and where some, where I think sometimes they don't always make the most sense because like, if you think about it, if someone's like, you know, in their working years and in, you know, in a, in a moderate to high tax bracket, you know, it probably doesn't make sense to convert IRA money. I don't know. It might not make sense to convert IRA money, right. Depending on how old they are or in, in the amount of money we're talking about. But then in a year where they, maybe they're laid off and their income is lower in that year. I, the, the hard time I have is, okay. If like the best, in my opinion, the best way to convert IRA money to Roth money is if you pay the taxes out of your cash flow and you can convert the entire balance, right? So there's two ways to do a Roth conversion. One way is you convert the entire balance. So 20,000 goes from the IRA and right into the Roth IRA. And then you pay the tax penalty out of your other money, 
right? I think that's the best way to do it because then you're not taking an immediate hit in the size of the investment account. The other way to do a Roth conversion is you pay the taxes out of the dollars you're converting. So you withhold out of that money. And so a smaller amount of money goes into the Roth IRA, which is like your after tax amount. I think that's the less ideal way to do it, right? The more money we have in retirement, the better. So I think it's best to pay it on a cash flow. But like, but but then in that situation where someone's out of work for a period of time and their income is low, it's kind of hard to be like, well, why don't you just take like 7,000 bucks out of your emergency reserves while you're not working and pay taxes yeah. on a Roth conversion? You know what I mean? So right. that's not great. Um, that's not a great situation. Where, where it might work is, you know, someone's laid off for a period of time Maybe they, you know, financially they weather the storm, right? They had emergency reserves, they weathered the storm. Then they become reemployed like at the end of the year. So they have cash flow back in their life. You know, that would be a good opportunity to be like, oh, okay, well, you're working again and you still have some cash, you know, can afford to pay the taxes. And, um, you know, another, another kind of circumstance or scenario where you might consider it is, you know, somebody that, you know, has, um, you know, Good cash flow from other, you know, sources. You know, maybe and maybe less taxable uh, sources like Social Security, yeah. and and maybe you know maybe their expenses are really low, yeah. and so you know they're in a they're in a low tax bracket. But maybe they maybe they still have significant assets in you know traditional IRAs or four hundred one ks, where you know down the road if they're not yet seventy two they're going to have you know these big you know required minimum distributions, mm-hmm. and which may bump them up into a different tax bracket, particularly if tax brackets go up again. And so if they can take some money out of those IRAs now, you know, and pay less in taxes, perhaps, you know, at a lower bracket, um, you know, so they're going to get some money out at a potentially a lower tax bracket. And it's going to also reduce those required distributions down the road, which they might not even need. Um, so again, that's very dependent on their, you know, somebody's circumstance, but that is a situation that, you know, does come up periodically. Yeah. No, I agree totally. Um, all right, we just have a few more minutes left. Um, I had one other, you know, one other comment on the conversion is. You know, um, like last year, for example, when we had that big dip in the markets. You know, if you're if you're thinking about a Roth conversion, you know that that's not a bad time to do it, right? If you can, you know, take move some money, take some money out of the IRA when it's temporarily down in value, right? Yeah. So you're so you're that yeah. that income is going to be less for, and then get it into the Roth, and then hopefully it rebounds, right, and grows to a much bigger number inside of a tax, you know, a tax, you know, a, a t- more tax advantage yeah. vehicle. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Yep. Love Love it. Um, all right, we just have a few minutes left. We've been talking about Roth IRAs and um, you know things to know and reasons you may consider getting money into Roths if you can. I will reiterate. I think that they're great for young people. So my you know thirty and even forty something clients um, are. I think it's you know where eligible. I think it's great to get money in there. It, you know I even have some thirty something clients who you know are good income earners. And you know generally speaking, we talked about how it's good to take tax deductions while you make good money and are in a high tax bracket. But for young people that make good money and are in a higher tax and are in a relatively high tax bracket, I still think it might make sense to get money into Roths because, and, and you can do both. Sometimes you can do both, but 
Um, just because we don't know where tax brackets will go in the future, if they go higher, you're kind of hedging um, and getting some money into Roths that are tax-free later. That's a hedge against tax brackets going higher later, which I think is fairly likely. Um, right now, tax brackets may go up for higher income earners, but you know, I they're they're already set to and may go higher for the masses in the future. We'll see. Um, but I, I think that's certainly something to consider. Again, the more time you have, the more attractive a Roth IRA will be for you just because you, you know, to, in order to, you know, maximize potential for return and earnings, which come back to you tax-free after five years and age 59 and a half for a Roth. So um, if you don't have one, or if you haven't funded it yet for last year, you know, talk to your financial and tax professional to see if that makes sense. I just think, you know, I don't like tax time to go by before I go through my book of business and my book of clients to see if, um, if, you know, who's maxed and who hasn't and who do I need to call to see if this makes sense. So that music means we need to go i hope everyone enjoyed that we certainly try to do shows that are enjoyable and uh useful and um between the mcnamara on money i'm Alyssa mcnamara reed joined by kirk reed um thanks for listening everybody check out our podcast mcnamara on money and you can find out more about us at mcnamarafinancial.com have a great weekend everybody take care bye